Seekers, freedom fighters, defenders of liberty, deplorables, lizard people, bloodthirsty, insurrectionists, election deniers, conspiracy theorists, and mega, ultra, mega extremist Republicans. I'm your host, Becca Marie, and you are listening to Freedom Speak. We are unindoctrinated, unvaccinated, unrestrained, unashamed, unrelenting, unapologetic, and unafraid. We are totally organic and non-GMO. On Conservative Talk, ABQ, KDAZ, 96.9 FM, AM 700, and you can listen from anywhere at conservativetalkabq.com. I'd like to invite you to check out my website, freedomspeaknm.com. You can listen to replays of all my previous shows. You can also check out the uh, uh, useful resources that I have posted there. You can check out the podcast, replay of any of the shows on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple iTunes. You can email me your questions and comments, and you can also get started advertising by emailing me at Becca, that's B-E-C-C-A, at freedomspeaknm.com. I have a full house of guests today. It should be a really great show. There's a lot going on in the news, and uh, there's a lot going on, unfortunately, in Santa Fe at the Roundhouse, and we're going to be talking about that a lot today. So that being said, I thought I would uh, start off talking a little bit about the Second Amendment. And uh, some of this I've said before, some of it I haven't said before. But um, since uh, we currently have our corrupt legislature convening, or you might say conspiring at the Roundhouse in Santa Fe, to once again try to move forward their efforts to disarm all of us. I'm sure they see this as a necessary step to make way for the new world order, the great reset, the one world government, whatever you choose to call it, in which we will all own nothing and be happy. For us to own nothing, that obviously would have to involve them taking everything from us and transferring it to them. For that to be possible, I assume they are starting with our guns. The founding fathers of our great constitutional republic saw this coming. By the way, the United States is not a democracy, as so often you hear the idiots in media and even the politicians claiming. Politicians are supposed to understand the constitution our country was built upon. And by the way, this includes both Democrats and Republicans. After all, they do take an oath to defend and protect the Constitution of the United States. I lost my place there. (laughs) That happens from time to time. The U.S. Constitution, which was drafted in 1783, was then written for the purpose of strengthening the central government. Many people in early America opposed the idea of a strong central government. I think their fears were right, as we see the federal government grabbing more power every day, all while driving our country further into a state of bankruptcy. And you notice I say further into bankruptcy. We've been in bankruptcy for a long time. You know, they're talking about raising the debt limit again. Wow, you can't pay your bills, so you've got to raise the credit limit. Is that crazy or what? 
You know, I'm going to get off on a little side note on that while I'm thinking about that. So they're going to raise the debt limit because they can't currently pay their current obligations. Now, me, uh, on my personal budget, and I'm sure all of you, don't you constantly strive to lower your debt instead of it constantly increasing on an annual basis? Wouldn't that indicate that you are in some serious financial problems? Just saying. I don't believe many people realize that nearly every time a new bill is passed, more of our freedom is taken away. Not to mention each of us being relieved of more of our hard-earned money. The writers in favor of the U.S. Constitution found themselves faced with a new challenge shortly after writing it. That would be ratification. They needed two-thirds of the original 13 states to agree to adopt the new document as the rule of the land. Recently, broken away from what they saw as tyranny of Great Britain, individuals were protective of their freedom and touchy about any infringement on private liberties. Moreover, each state had questions and concerns specific to its individual needs, in addition to not wanting to cede power to the federal government. For some time, it appeared that the country would break apart rather than come to a united agreement on the powers of the central government. In order to address these issues, the founders wrote up a Bill of Rights that specified protections for individuals and for states. These first ten amendments were included with the rest of the document, which was finally ratified in 1791 and played a big role in securing the two-thirds majority needed to ratify the U.S. Constitution. Most of the points in the Bill of Rights deal with the freedoms and rights of individuals accused of breaking the laws. Yet the Second Amendment... The second point on the Bill of Rights deals directly with gun ownership. So why did the founders consider it necessary to include this in such an important document? Even though the words in the Second Amendment are very clear and straightforward, there are those to this day that continue to to try to distort their meaning. Why was the Second Amendment created? The American Revolution started in part because of taxation issues. By the way, this dispute was simply over a tax on tea. These people of the time were far less tolerant of -of out-of-control government than people today are. The colonists protested against what they perceived as unfair and oppressive treatment. Remember the Boston Tea Party? while the British response was to stop the importation of firearms to the New World. I guess they didn't want them to be able to fight back, right? In retaliation, colonists began to smuggle guns in from Europe, stockpiling extras for a day when they would need them to fight increasingly vindictive crown. As you might remember from history classes, that is, if you even had history class in your school. Tensions rose until the British sent troops to quell insurrection. That word familiar to you? (laughs) Only to find an unanticipated organized response. Beginning in Boston, the revolution was the first of its kind in history. It was known as a shot heard around the world. 
In today's show, we're going to talk a lot about the fight for our very critical right to keep and bear arms. You notice I emphasize on the word right. You need to understand what that is. So I'm going to start by talking about the words in the Second Amendment and exactly what each word means. The Second Amendment was not written for the purpose of hunting or target shooting, although I like doing both of those things. It was originally conceived as a limitation on the power of the federal government. I'll start by refreshing everybody on what the Second Amendment to our U.S. Constitution Bill of Rights says. Second Amendment, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So let's break it down and talk about the words contained in this very important amendment. What is well-regulated? The modern definition and the definition of the time the Constitution was written are very different. I previously did a show on which I referred to the writings of the time that illustrate what I'm talking about. I suggest you listen to that show if you haven't heard it, because I really, really dive into well-regulated and what it means. That's very important because they twist the meaning of that nowadays, and they try to apply the modern meaning so that they can infringe upon your right. The modern meaning of well-regulated has been redefined to mean controlled or supervised to conform to rules, regulations, or tradition. The meaning of the time meant that something was proficient, well-trained, or in good working order. The attacks on the Second Amendment by those that seek to violate our freedom often use a misinterpretation of this term to justify their claims. Unfortunately, since many people nowadays are ignorant to history, the criminals making these cases get away with their lies. Is it making more sense to you now why there is so much of an effort to erase history? What's a militia? There's a lot of controversy over that word as well. Well, in today's understanding, it's an armed group of radical extremists. Or the government of today even tries to say it is the National Guard. In the time of the Founding Fathers, it was an army composed of ordinary citizens rather than professional soldiers. Certainly not an arm of the government. Then there's the part that says being necessary to the security of a free state. What is a free state? The freedom fighters of the time understood this to mean a free country, free of despotism, that would tend to support the individual rights view of the amendment. The people would then more easily be read as referring to a right of the people as individuals. A right is justified by public interest, much as the term people is understood in the First and Fourth Amendments. The right would cover people regardless of whether or not they were enrolled in a state-chosen defensive force. Since the right would be unrelated to preserving the independence of the states, and it would apply to all Americans, whether in states or in D.C. So here's the big one. What is a right? 
because we're talking about an amendment contained in the Bill of Rights, not the Bill of Privileges given by the government, the Declaration of Independence eloquently communicates those truths that are the foundation by which the Constitution is built upon. The document proclaims clearly that rights do not come from men. They come from a creator. That creator, said the Founding Fathers in their collective wisdom, is the God of the Old and New Testaments. Of 15,000 writings of the 55 men who signed the Constitution, including newspaper articles, pamphlets, and books, the Bible, especially the book of Deuteronomy, contributed 34% of all direct quotations. When indirect citations were included, over half of all quotations were derived from the Bible. So who are the people? Well, I kind of previously mentioned that. That would be you and me, the individuals that are legal citizens of the United States of America. Keep and bear arms. The meanings of these words mean the same thing they have always meant. meant. I, I, I looked it up, and it's like they really haven't changed the meaning of those words. According to Merriam-Webster, to keep is to retain in one's possession or power. That means on your person, anywhere in this country, concealed or not concealed, in your car, or any place you call home. To bear that's a simple one. That means that you are equipped or furnished with. What is an arm? Well, it's not only the thing attached to your shoulder, which can also be used as a weapon, but is any weapon that can be used as a means of offense or defense. This means a gun of any kind, even an AR-15, or something that can hold 100 rounds of ammo, a cannon, a club, a stun gun, or any weapon that could be conceived in the future. Shall not be infringed. You hear me harping on that one a lot. This is the most important part. Shall is a term used in laws, regulations, or directive to express what is mandatory. It had this meaning when the Constitution was written, and it still means the same thing today. Infringe is what politicians are doing when they try to modify or suspend a right. This term means to encroach upon in a way that violates law or the rights of another. The New Mexico Constitution Bill of Rights echoes almost exactly what the U.S. Constitution states, or at least it used to. Section 6, Bill of Rights, New Mexico Constitution, Right to Bear Arms. No law shall abridge the right of the citizen to keep and bear arms for security and defense, for lawful hunting and regular recreational use, and for other lawful purposes. Now, it should end right there, okay? But the criminals in Santa Fe added, amend they amended this right to add restrictions to the right. Can you see the problem there, like what I just described to you? They added, but nothing herein shall be held a 
to permit the carrying of concealed weapons. Okay, that just contradicts the first thing that I just said. And how is restricting your rights, how, how should that be in the Bill of Rights? Can you see how that doesn't make any sense? That certainly sounds like abridgment to me. No municipality or county shall regulate in any way an incident of the right to keep and bear arms. See, that also contradicts that stupid thing that they added in there in their amendment. And they amended it, by the way, in uh, 1971 and 1986. Why did the people of New Mexico allow the right to keep and bear arms to be modified in amendments that were added in 1971 and 1986. The modifications put limitations on the right, which apparently means that the government of New Mexico believes that the government knows better than the creator. Like in New Mexico, the attacks on our right to keep and bear arms began years ago, in 1837, when Georgia tried to ban handguns. That was found unconstitutional by the state Supreme Court and thrown out. In 1865, they tried to pass a law preventing black people from having guns. In 1927, the U.S. Congress passed the Miller Act, a law banning the mailing of concealed weapons. And the real infringement really started with the passing of the National Firearms Act of 1934 regulating the manufacture, sale, and possession of fully automatic firearms like submachine guns is approved by Congress. The infringement continued from there, and it has gone to the point in which the meaning of what a right is seems to elude all the politicians running our government. Do rights still exist in the United States of America? Generations of Americans have li lived in security and freedom because our leaders have generally been faithful to the belief that nature's God, the creator, imbued all people with unalienable rights, including the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Our leaders are now aligned with the agenda of the WEF, the WHO, the globalist, and those pushing for a one-world government. One world religion and the new world order. Individual rights are not compatible with the agenda of the left's agenda. In a quote by James Madison, he said, I believe there are more instances of the abridgment of freedom of the people by gradual and silent encroachments by those in power than by violent and sudden usurpations. That's what they do, people. They're playing the long game. They're infringing upon our freedom just a little at a time, hoping that you won't notice. You know, the, the analogy of the boiling frog, you know, you get in the water, oh, the water's great, and then they just gradually turn up the water until you finally realize it's too late. So, I have some uh, really great guests in the studio with me today. And I think they're probably going to have a lot to say on this topic. I've got Jamie Frazier Page from the New Mexico Shooters Association. New Mexico Shooting Sports Association. Shooting Sports Association. Okay. 
I got Dale Perkins, one of my advertisers from Perkins Protection Training. And I've got uh, retired Judge Charles Barnhart with us as well. Good morning. Hey. So we got a lot of perspectives here, and I'm hoping it will make for some really interesting conversation on really all angles of this topic. Um, Jamie, why don't you tell me, first of all, a little bit about what you do with the New Mexico um, Shooting Sports Shooting Association. Association. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. I, uh, I'm in my second term as vice president. Um, I act in the absence of the president. And most of what I do is getting information out and acting as an unpaid lobbyist for our rights with all levels of government, city, state, and federal, city, county, state, and federal, um, in the ongoing fight to keep those rights that are supposedly inalienable. I've been doing it since I turned 21, which is 57 years ago, at one level or another. And uh, it is a fight that I don't expect we are going to win in my lifetime. It's an ongoing process. So that's what I do, that's what NMSSA does. We speak for the gun owners of New Mexico uh, before our representatives. Okay. Um. Judge Barnhart, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I was a, a get get right judge. up there. Okay, can you hear me now? Yes, yes, that's good. I was a metropolitan judge in Albuquerque for 25 years, and uh, so I heard a number of civil and criminal type cases. Uh, uh, metropolitan judges hear cases which can be punished for up to one year in jail or a thousand dollar fine, and anything bigger than that has to go to the district court. Okay. Dale? Yes, ma'am. This is Dale Perkins. I'm with Perkins Protection Training. I teach the concealed weapon permits. I've been doing it since 2004 when we got it put back in. I've been in the roundhouse since 1990. And Jamie, and when Jamie got with us, he started riding with me up to the roundhouse because it made it easier for both of us. And I thank you, Jamie. Okay. So I want to start off with some uh, things that are in the news, things, and then we're gonna then we're gonna really dig into this legislation, which, in my opinion, is unconstitutional and illegal. I'm gonna start doing a segment at the beginning of uh, the show each week uh, because you know I've been really, really for. A couple of years now, I've been trying to educate everybody on this dangerous death shot that they've been pushing on everyone. People have been dying on a weekly basis. Now, over just in the past couple of years, over 1,100 athletes have dropped dead on the field from just sudden death, SADS, sudden adult death syndrome. <laughs> Strokes, unexplained. That's, that's, that's the typical thing they use now. They say it's unexplained. They can't explain it. Oh, my God, we no, have no idea why this person died. Suddenly, doctors and, and I guess, uh, the people that uh, do these autopsies, apparently, suddenly they have no idea why people are dying. 
We lost Lisa Marie Presley last week. Her cause of death has been deferred pending further tests. They just can't figure out why she died. We got former Alabama running back Ahmad Galloway found dead in his apartment of they can't figure it out. They have no idea why he died. We got the drummer from Bachman Turner Overdrive. We've got a, oh, we've got an Air Force football player, Hunter Brown, found dead. These are all young people, too, by the way. These are athletes, by the way, okay? We got American Idol alumni, C.J. Harris, dead at 31. We've got Gregory Yee, a Times reporter, dead at 33. And, of course, uh, we lost Diamond from Diamond and Silk, age 51. No cause of her death has also been given. They're going to do their darndest to cover this up. And I was talking to a friend a while back about how, yeah, they're going to cover up us normal people, just people that are not famous, that people don't know. And lots of us can be dropping dead, and they'll never explain the cause of that because... Uh, the general public doesn't really miss people like that. But when celebrities and sports stars and actors and things like that start dropping dead, uh, you can't cover that one up. Those people, they get missed and people, people want to hear about it. So on a weekly basis, I'm going to list off my, I'm going to call it my died early news. I'm going to list those off. Feel free any time, you know, you guys, I'm not dominating the show here. If you have a comment, f- please feel free to jump in. <laughs> I can talk forever. Anyway, so I, I watched a funny video the other day that got posted on social media. And this relates to an experience I've had with this particular business in which I'll never do business with them again. But uh, what they did, I must say, I really approve of it. Um, the folks at Guitar Center in Albuquerque. Okay, last year, they apparently uh, were working for the tyrant, and uh, they were enforcing her, her mask mandates. And uh, they threw me out of their store. And I told them, okay, I'll never be back. All right. But they did do something the other day which makes me believe that they are not total gutless cowards. Okay, the other day, a guy came into their store... And, um, and by the way, that same tyrannical little tiny tyrant that they love so much, uh, that pushes policies, that encourages people to shoplift and get away with it. Well, this guy came into their store and decided he was going to steal a guitar and walk out the door with it. Well, he was in the process of walking out the door with it. And one of the guys there tackled the guy, got him in a neck hold, took him down. And, of course, while he's being taken down, the guy's trying to destroy the guitar because, you know, if he doesn't want, get it, he, he don't want them to have it back either. But they managed to grab that out of his hands. And they tackled him down to the floor. And uh, they, uh, I, can't, I can't repeat all the language that they used, but uh, I, I can say that uh, they told him they wanted him to get up and get out of the store. Well, he wouldn't get up, so they kind of picked him up by the belt like a suitcase and carried him out the door and threw him out on the sidewalk. 
and he was missing a shoe when, apparently in the struggle and he, you know they they had the the video running out there on the sidewalk and the guy's laying out on the sidewalk he still didn't get up and he's missing a shoe and then you see the door open and you see the other shoe go flying out the door and landing on him <laughs> it just really made it it was hilarious <laughs> anyway so so these guys actually stood up for their right to not be ripped off and they're protecting their property and you know I applaud them for that. I think that all businesses should do that. Don't tolerate this shoplifting. You know, why? That's your property. You own that property. You have a right to that property. You have a right to that property not being stolen from you. Regardless of what the government says, the government works for us people. I want you to remind it. I want to remind you of that. You guys got any comments on this, on the shoplifting thing? You look there's, like you're about to talk there, Jamie. There's a, a rash of what they're calling flash mob robberies. And I had a long discussion with a couple of people on Facebook the other day about it. And uh, the opinion of many people is that because the individuals are taking such a small amount for themselves, that it would be hard to prosecute. And I said, these are criminal conspiracies. Somebody organizes them. And uh, I think they could be charged as a criminal conspiracy and name everybody who's involved, including the person who started the phone tree to initiate this quote unquote flash mob to uh, smash and grab at a jewelry store or wherever it is they're doing it. Um, crimes that occur without consequences tend to be repeated. And if you don't consequate people for their actions, it's like raising kids. Um, they'll keep pushing the envelope, and eventually it gets to the point where these will not be done without violence because somebody will end up opposing them and find themselves up against a mob of, you know, 8, 10, 12, how many ever people have decided that they're going to take everything in the store. Sure, yeah. Um, so, you know, you stop it when it's not real big. You stop it hard. Um, you charge them with conspiracy to commit felony and uh, go from there. You stop the little crimes before they turn into big crimes. It's the whole principle behind the broken windows philosophy of law enforcement of if you deal with the smaller quality of life crimes, it establishes a tone of what will be tolerated by society and what won't. And we have pretty much lost that during my lifetime. Yeah. Hey, guys, we're at the break. Um, we're going to come back. I, I want to continue on this topic. I'd like to hear what the judge has to say about this. But we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Dr. Dan Lafferty. And I'm Dr. Stephanie Z from ABQ Gentle Dentistry. Putting off a trip to the dentist due to dental anxiety? Let us ease your fears. At ABQ Gentle Dentistry, we are gentle from your first phone call with the receptionist to the dental chair for treatment. We offer oral conscious sedation, IV sedation, and nitrous gas. We have the latest technology to handle all your dental needs right in our office. Same day crowns, 3D x-rays, 3D printing, digital intraoral photos, and laser technology. Let us transform your life by transforming your smile into a smile you can love. We also offer 
Clear Tray Orthodontic Therapy. You're part of the family here at ABQ Gentle Dentistry. Gentle is not just our name, it's how we treat our patients. We accept most insurance plans and also work with multiple lending companies to help make financing possible. Y hablamos español. We're located at 4550 Eubank Boulevard, Northeast, Suite 101. Give us a call at 505-292-8588 to begin your journey to an awesome smile. Or on the web at albuquerquegentledentist.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Genter from High Desert Chiropractic and Wellness. For 27 years, I've been helping patients by gently treating the root cause of their health issues, not just symptoms. Treatments include various chiropractic techniques and therapies, such as electrical stimulation, ultrasound and intersegmental traction, or the roller table. Let's help you be your best self by helping you achieve optimal wellness and maintain it lifelong. Located at 5310 Homestead Road, Northeast, call us at 505-292-2226. Interested in getting your concealed carry permit? Perkins Protection Training offers state-approved concealed carry classes for both New Mexico and Utah, taught by a certified NRA instructor, local woman-owned and ran by husband-and-wife team since 2004. Individual coaching, ensuring every student learns according to their individual needs, complete with pre-class and follow-up tutoring. One-on-one, beginner, and advanced classes also available. Mention KDAZ for 10% off class. Call 505-238-1214. That's 505-238-1214. Or on the web at PerkinsProtectionTraining.com. Everybody, welcome back to Freedom Speak with Becca Marie. You are listening to Conservative Talk, ABQ, KDAZ, 96.9 FM, AM 700. And you can listen from anywhere at conservativetalkabq.com. I'm here with my guests today, Jamie Frazier-Page, Dale Perkins, and Judge Charles Barnhart. So before the break, I was talking about uh, these smashing grabs. I was talking about the story at Guitar Center where they threw the guy out. They caught him. They tackled him. They threw him out. Hey, that's what we need to do. You know, I, I uh, was talking about this to somebody the other day, and it's like if I ever witness one of these things and I'm standing by the door uh, and I see somebody getting ready to go out the door with a whole bunch of stuff they're stealing— I'll just, you know, um, accidentally maybe stick my foot out, trip them on the way out, and or maybe just decide to yawn, and then my, my arm just accidentally hits their neck. Well, I don't know. Either way, I'm going to stop them. Let's say you've got a flash mob going on, and, and, and you're in the store, and you're carrying. What do you do? Well, tell me. What, if I was, okay. I, 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 don't, I don't carry them around, but these guys do. What well, would they do? Well, I do, too. <laughs> you know, so what would be the consequences if I... If I well, here's the thing. Here's the way I understand it. And, you know, of course, I take Dale's classes. My understanding is that I am not authorized to draw my firearm, brandish it, use it, unless I feel like I am in personal danger or at least somebody else is in personal danger. If the, the I'm sure the lawyers would use the argument, oh, well, you weren't in personal danger. All you had to do is let them steal the stuff and go out the door. I mean, but, you know, don't we have a right to protect our property? I mean, doesn't the Fourth Amendment give us that right? I would say uh, that in the context of the Second Amendment, when it was written, uh, we did have that right. We had the right to protect our own property, and that was part of the reason we had the right to to uh, keep and bear arms, and uh, ask yourself, what did they mean by 
uh, well-regulated militia, uh, militia being necessary to the security of, a, of the state, what state are they talking about? Right. They're not talking about the United States of America's federal government. They're talking about their own state. Yes. And, and what are they talking about it to being secure from? They're talking about it being secure from aggression from their own United States federal government. That's what they're talking about. Yeah. They were afraid that the federal government would get too strong and start uh, basically telling states what to do, and the states can prevent that if they have their own militia and can fight against that. And that's the thinking at that time. They didn't want the federal government to get overly strong, and and that Second Amendment was basically there to prevent that. But what stops the states from getting too strong for the private public people? You know, the, the U.S. Constitution uh, applies to the states through the... Uh, uh, through some of the decisions of the Supreme Court, have decided that the U.S. Constitution, Second Amendment, applies to the states as well. So the thoughts is that the states, well, can uh, make laws that and have a Constitution that is more restrictive than the U.S. Constitution. But no, they can't. Uh, the U.S. Constitution controls. And so when states try to uh, pass laws that are more restrictive than that, they can, can and have been struck down by, by the courts. So that's, that brings up a question I was going to ask, and I would like to see what your take is on this, uh, Judge. I would like to, we've got the U.S. Constitution, which is supposed to apply to the entire country. Now, we've got, then we have state constitutions. Okay, so you often you'll hear states they'll they'll pass laws that are contradictory to the U.S. Constitution. Um, now, what does the U.S. Constitution? Who does it actually apply to? Uh, that's 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 the thing that really confuses me. Conflict of laws is a whole subject in law school. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it is. Yes, and uh, yeah, it's it's a good question, um, and uh, in general the the state constitutions are in, intended to regulate what goes on in, in their own states. And the federal constitution is intended to regulate those things which the states can't do for themselves, but have to band together to do in one large, large group, like uh, defend the borders of the, of the country, for instance. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Well... Why That's one of their few main responsibilities. Yeah, they're actually few main have. responsibilities. Not redistribution of wealth. To defend the borders. Right. Well, why don't we ever hear about New Mexico's borders? We hear about Texas borders all the time. We hear about Arizona borders. Why don't we hear about what's going on in our borders? Because I've got students from down south. They have actually built six to ten foot walls around their compound and put glass on top and razor ribbon on top and they've got armed guards that's what they do at night is go around the equipment and around their compound because there's so many people coming across they've got a shed that they've got water and food out there and they said leave our stuff alone if you need water take it but 
they're scared to even go outside at night in their own compound. When is this going to change? Yeah, and I think they have the Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms to defend themselves from this sort of onslaught. And I know that they're carrying them, oh, awful, my God, awful black guns. The black guns with the, with the pistol grip uh, things on them? And the front yeah. forearms. It goes up. Yeah. And the front forearms keep their hands from burning. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the thing covering the barrel that gets really hot. To, yes. You, you, you can't be able to safely hold that. The shroud, yeah. The shroud, they're t- saying that that is a death sentence for us, that there, that is a bad thing to have on our guns. But they've had shrouds on shotguns forever. Right, but those are okay for now. For now. For now. If you fire them in the air. Well, isn't that dangerous in itself? Well, it is, but when the president tells you that that's how you're supposed to do it, Aren't we supposed to listen to what that wise man tells us? <laughs> but everything that goes up will come down. <laughs> and there are several people that are dead because of what's gone up during Fourth of July and New Year's has killed people when it came back down. I've been told warning shots are a bad idea. Yeah, we were, we were specifically told when I went through the academy in California that uh, under no circumstances would warning shots be fired. Um, if you work in rural law enforcement, the three fired, three shots fired as a uh, distress signal notwithstanding, uh, you work in urban law enforcement and, and you can get disciplined for warning shots. So, yeah. When uh, the students asked me about warning shots, I said there is no such thing as a warning shot. If you have to pull your firearm to use it to stay alive, you're in fear of your life, you shoot the ma- main mask of the body, and but what if you kill them? Their actions caused your reaction. If they weren't trying to kill you, you would not have reacted that way because we're not killers. We're citizens that are trying to protect our rights and our health and our lives. Even law enforcement, I mean, we were taught in the academy, and I, I taught lethal force, that you shoot to stop the action which justified the use of lethal force, period. Whether the person lived or died was a matter of uh, proximity to good medical care and their relationship with whatever higher power they sought their protection from. It wasn't what we were trying to do, stop the action that justified the use of lethal force. In this state, the use of lethal force to defend property is not considered a viable defense unless the property is your domicile. So if people break into your house, the presumption is that they are not there for a good purpose. They didn't come to sample your really good red or green chili dishes. They were there to harm you. So if you shoot them inside your home, there is a pretty good presumption of justifiable use of force. Um, But simply to protect property, you're probably going to have a really difficult time defending yourself and using that as a justification for the use of lethal force. Well, sometimes these flash mobs have individuals inside them that are armed. If you can articulate a genuine fear for your safety, 
then that would be your defense as a justifiable use of force. And, and you're taught, even in the academy, you're taught to articulate the fact that you feared for your life and safety when you were threatened. People ask us all the time about, you know, why did you shoot him? All he had was a whatever. And there's something called the 21-foot rule, which isn't a rule. Came out of training out of Salt Lake City from a guy named Dennis Tuller, uh, retired, now retired uh, uh, Utah police officer. And uh, he showed empirically that a person armed with a blunt, blunt instrument or a bladed weapon can cover 21 feet in about a, a second and a half to two seconds. Um, I know people who can draw that fast and get off a shot, but they're the rare professional shooter. Um, I know I can't. Even when I was a cop, I couldn't. So you don't let people get that close. People don't understand that. And one of the most wonderful things we used to do was run people in city government through Tuller drills and through firearm simulations so that they got to see firsthand exactly how fast things developed. When you read through these bills, you realize that the people who write them are woefully ignorant or intentionally ignorant of the mechanics of firearms, the use of firearms, the use, use of lethal force, um, the culture in this state, especially in the rural areas, they don't get it. They are acting from either true ignorance, which is excusable and fixable, or willful ignorance, which isn't. Well, you know, kind of like Joe Biden, he's obviously an expert on firearms. Remember when he stated uh, something about putting 100 clips into a magazine? Well, and I, I you know, I, you can't physically do that. I, I, I demonstrated that on one of my shows one time. I said, okay, here's a clip. Here's a magazine. Uh, they don't fit together. And it's like, why would you put 100 clips into a magazine? Okay, I'll get pedantic. If you load... Uh M16 magazines or AR15 magazines, they can be loaded from a clip. From a stripper clip. Yeah. Yes. But you can only load the number of rounds that that magazine was designed to take, 20 or 30, mm -hmm. which is the standard capacity for those type of magazines. Sure. Yeah. And if you start looking at the, the magazine ban limits on magazine capacity, you come up against some interesting stuff. If you read Justice Scalia's opinion in Heller, you find that he goes hard to um, common use. He goes hard to uh, dangerous and unusual. The conjunction and is important, it's not or. They must be both things. And I think we can all pretty much agree that firearms are dangerous. They're a tool. Tools are dangerous. Sure. You could take a finger off with a chisel. Mm-hmm. But unusual, no. AR-15s, the most common long gun currently sold in the United States. There are millions. Some people estimate that there are more of them than there are people. That would be the case probably in my house. Well, you know, <laughs> that's not the case anymore. I, you know, I, I do not have my quota of AR-15s. Um, 
I won't say it was lost in a boating accident because that's a cliche, but um, <laughs> when you look at a lot of the original stuff, the intent was that the militia, which is the body of the people, we the people, should be armed consistent with the arms in use by the military. And if you look at the opinion that was written in Miller, um, the last case that the SCOTUS actually sat and judged on, in the absence of the defendant who had subsequently passed away and his lawyer didn't show up, uh, so it was basically, uh, it basically was just the, the justices. Um, they talked about the fact that a quote-unquote sawed-off shotgun was not a militia weapon and could not be used for the common defense. Well, if there'd been a sharp attorney there defending the gentleman who was uh, appealing the case, you could probably refute that. The shotguns have been used militarily through history, but that didn't happen. So if you want to talk about the kind of guns that we can have, uh, you go back to what would the militia be armed with? Well, if you use that and take it strictly, we'd have M4 carbines with fully automatic fire capability. Sure. That's what the military has. Now, I frankly consider fully automatic weapons to be a marvelous way to throw money downrange. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I went to the range a while back because I, I had never shot one before. And so they had one to rent there, and I rented one, and I, you know, uh, put a, I think a 30-round magazine in it. And I did a couple of short burst fires, mm -hmm. and the magazine was empty. And it's like, it's like at, at whatever a round of ammo costs these days, I, I think, I think AR-15, uh, 223 ammo, I think uh, last time I got the best deal on it was maybe 30, 30 cents a round. Uh, that's a lot of money spent in just a, a couple seconds. Well, there's one of the one of the bills here talks about uh, uh, devices that increase the rate of fire of firearms accessories, like the bump stock deal. Bump stocks, back. which of course the ATF got their wrists slapped pretty hard by the Fifth Circuit in Louisiana on that because their bump stock rule was seen to be exceeding their authority. They can't make law, they're a, a regulatory agency. But um, the thing is that when you deal with bump stocks, binary triggers, uh, all of those kind of things that simulate fully automatic fire, they still involve what is statutorily the definition of semi-automatic. Each round requires the press of a trigger. Now, it may be very rapid, but it's still a single press of the trigger for every round that goes downrange, even with a bump stock or a binary trigger or any of the other devices that simulate. And that's the other thing with the ARs. People go, it's a weapon of war. It's not. The M4, the M16, those are weapons of war. They're select fire fully automatic fire capable. The AR-15 is a semi-automatic rifle. And when you look at what they're, they're defining, this is almost straight out of the, the assault weapons ban, federal assault weapons sure. ban. 
and it's cosmetics. You know, here's the point I want to make, though, Jamie, is how, you know, they're trying to classify the AR-15 as a weapon of war. Okay. Now, I've, I've made this comment before. An AR-15 is a very efficient, effective weapon if you were in a combat situation. For us, it, it's the best thing a civilian can get their hands on right now. That is why I have one. I don't have one because I want to go out and do that. But the reason I have one is in case things go really, really bad and I need a weapon to use as a combat weapon an AR-15 is very efficient for that purpose. Rebecca, remember the couple of years ago when they put a bill in saying that we cannot have any military-style weapons? Right. Military-style. What does that mean? It looks like a military weapon? Well, let's stop and think about that one for a minute. That means your black powder, concussion cap, flintlocks, all the way up, your lever actions were all in the military. They were. And that's how we got them, because of the military. Now, where are they going to stop? Now, look at the Glocks. Fantastic gun. Glock makes one gun, one gun only, that is not a high-cap magazine, 10 or more. And there is no manufacturer going to take and make a special magazine for the state of New Mexico including your uh, 1022. You don't hear about a 922 Ruger. It's a 1022. And that goes to all of our ranchers that carries them in the trucks. So they're really stepping hard trying to take everything away from us. They are. And uh, in the second hour coming up, we are going to dig into that, uh, the, all of those bills, every single one of them, thoroughly make you understand exactly what they're trying to do. Just to let you know, what they are trying to do is they are trying to make most gun owners into fourth-degree felons. Because what these bills are saying is they're saying that they're not saying that, oh, you can't go out and buy one, which that would be unconstitutional. Anything they're doing is unconstitutional. So I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, for you to get the idea that any of this infringement is okay because none of it is. But what they want to do is all of us that own AR-15s or AR-15 style type guns, things that look like scary weapons of war, or, or guns that carry 10 rounds of ammunition or more, which includes a lot of handguns, um, they're going to make those illegal for you to own. Even if you already own one, they're saying that you will be forced to get rid of it, and if you don't, you will be considered a fourth-degree felon. Now, here's the other scary thing, too, and I've talked about those red flag laws before. Okay, think about this possibility. Some, who knows, some ex-whatever decides they want to stick it to you, and they decide, oh, well, I'm going to call and report them, and uh, I'm going to tell them that I feel like I'm in danger because they have some of those scary weapons of war. Well, what happens? Okay, they come to your house. They search your house. They find one of these weapons that the tiny tyrant has decided to ban. Guess what? You're going to jail. You're going to be convicted of a fourth-degree felony. You are going to spend probably a lot of time in jail. Just guessing. And now you can't own weapons. And you'll never be able to own weapons again. 
Legally. Legally. Right. That's right. Now, my opinion on that is come get mine. Try. So. Cold dead hands, exactly. The government might say those are acceptable terms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And here's something for you all to think about. Every magazine you have that's over 10 rounds or 10 or more, you will be charged with a fourth-degree felony for every one of them. And every firearm that you have... Uh, of black guns, you'll be charged with a fourth degree felony for every one of them you have, and including the parts. Yeah, even if you just have a, lay, a, a lower for an AR-15 laying around the house, that's illegal too. Even if there isn't the rest of the gun there, that front forearm, of, it's just a chunk of metal. That front forearm, that dangerous front forearm that oh keeps you from getting gosh, burned. Oh my gosh! Yes. Hey, so we just got a couple a uh, couple minutes left in this hour. What do you guys think about the Alec Baldwin thing? Hey, they 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 finally decided to charge this guy with involuntary manslaughter. You know, I why why is that not obvious? If you or me was to have a gun and we were to point it at some, we'd be in trouble just for pointing it at someone, just for brandishing it, let alone pointing it at someone and shooting them with it and then trying to claim, oh, well, it's somebody else, else's fault that gave me the gun. They promised me it was unloaded. Okay. I, uh, I'm not a big fan of Baldwin as a political person. Yeah. He's not in our camp. But I've worked as a gun wrangler on independent films in California. I don't expect the talent to know anything about guns. I expect I will show them what they are supposed to do based on what the director wants in that shot. It's my responsibility as the gun wrangler to make sure that that gun is in the condition we expect it to be in. Hannah Gutierrez Reed comes from a very, very notoriously good family of gun people. Her father, Sel Reed, is one of the acknowledged experts in the field. She's a 24-year-old girl who's working her first movie in that, in that capacity. She did not exercise due care to make sure there were no rounds on the set, which there should never be. She's the one I hold most responsible. Baldwin Baldwin lied when he told Stephanopoulos that he didn't pull the trigger, and the FBI pretty well proved that. Yeah, it's impossible. They also proved that they did it enough times that they caused actual damage to the gun, and when they were done with their testing, the gun would go off by itself. But when they received it in the condition it was in when Baldwin was given it, absent a pull, a pull of the trigger, the gun would not go bang. And it should never have gone bang on even a blank round under those circumstances. Because mm -hmm. the first assistant director who got fired from a film in, in 2019 for failure to exercise due caution with firearms and pyrotechnics, handed the gun to Baldwin and said, cold gun, announced it to everybody in that room. That means to Baldwin and everybody else that the gun did not even have blanks in it. And when he was asked at the time if he checked the gun, he said, I checked some of the chambers in the cylinder. Mm. Obviously not the right one. Obviously. So, um, guys, we're at the end of the first hour. Uh, everybody that's listening, do not, do not change the channel because in the second hour we are going to dig into these um, 
unconstitutional, illegal gun grab legislations that they're trying to put through in Santa Fe. You need to know about this. You need to tell other people about this. You guys need to burn up their phone lines to every representative you can think of and tell them you do not want this to go through. We will be right back. 